Welcome to your digital reputation. Here's your host, Roger Christie. Hello, and thanks for joining us. My name's Roger Christie, founder of digital reputation advisory firm, Propel. Today, we're exploring the question, do government leaders face risk or reward online? And having worked with a fair few public sector agencies and leaders over the years, the one thing that has changed most dramatically since COVID is the awareness and willingness among public sector leaders to step up and have an individual voice online. Now, don't get me wrong, there is absolutely still an air of concern around you know, the unpredictability, I suppose, of stepping into the social media world and what sort of criticism might emerge. But I would say there appears to be an even greater awareness among leaders and their advisors that these conversations are happening whether they like it or not. So best to be in and influencing the conversation rather than watching on from the sidelines. But that's just my experience. So to dig a bit deeper on this topic and hear from someone who knows all too well the power of social media in politics, having worked with uh, Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews and recently appointed South Australian Premier Peter Malinowskis, I'm thrilled to welcome Eloise Young, who's the founder at consultancy Love Reacts Only, to the Your Digital Reputation podcast. Thanks for joining us, Eloise. Thanks so much for having me. Now, while I don't know exactly how to describe the look of the hats we're wearing to listeners, yours is obviously a little bit more political, which looks great on you, by the way, but mine's perhaps a bit more bureaucratic. So the plan today is to try and explore this question from both sides of that government divide between us. So should we dive straight in? Yeah, sounds good. Excellent. So in your opinion, do government leaders face more risk or more reward online? Well, I mean, I think the first thing to say, just to be aware of, is that all communication carries a degree of risk, right? As humans, you know, we we say things, we speak, we talk, we write. We're putting our our ideas out there and we're sort of relying on other people to understand our meaning. Even me sitting here and talking to you carries a degree of risk. You know, I might look back on this and think, oh, I didn't mean to say that, I made a mistake or, you know, my idea has been misconstrued. So I think that's the first thing to say is that every form of communication, regardless of the platform, carries some layer of risk. But I really think the biggest risk is being left behind. Um, because the landscape, as you mentioned, is changing so quickly that really the, the risk, the greatest risk, I think, for leaders is to is to not be on board with this and not be evolving and not be, um, you know, being aware and, and building with it. So, yeah, I, I firmly fall into the greater reward camp. And I think just to dive into that a little bit, perhaps, I think I'd probably put the rewards, because there are just so many, right? It's, it, you know, there are myriad rewards out there for people who are willing to to engage online and I think they kind of fall into two camps, one being the kind of practical rewards or advantages that you can seek out and one around, I guess, more of the personal, personality-based um, kind of reputational things. And in terms, when we're looking at the practical side of it, and again, as you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned traditional media because this is not about, you know, cutting out the media, but it's also about recognising that, you know, being online and having built an audience and a reputation online gives you effectively an unfiltered an unfiltered medium straight out to the people that you're trying to trying to reach, your community. Um, it's instant. You know, something might happen at 9 o'clock at night. You're probably not going to call a press conference, but you might put out a tweet or a Facebook Live to basically keep people informed. You don't have to wait for the press to file their story. You don't even have to wait for the, the 6 o'clock news. You know, you can literally communicate with people as things are happening. You also, um, you know, in, in, when we're thinking about risk, I think, it's, it might sound counter, counterintuitive to some, but I actually think that 
there's a lower degree of risk online because you actually have more control over the way that your image is being presented. You know, the the media, you know, you're, you're going through a filter when you when you use when you use traditional media, whereas actually you have a lot more control. You know, a, a live press conference is a live press conference, and literally anything could happen. Whereas actually, if you use um, social media or, or digital media effectively you can really have a lot of control over how your message is, is put out, whether you're happy with it and how it's received. And then going to more of the, those practical, I'm sorry, those kind of personality-driven things, I think there's a real opportunity just to keep reinforcing your message over and over again. Again, the media are probably only going to show up to your announcement, your launch. They're not going to keep covering your story over and over. And so it's a really great opportunity for government leaders and politicians to be able to keep you know, just keep reinforcing that message that you're trying to get out there into the community. You're building a relationship with people over time. They see you pop up. You know, they don't just see you on the six o'clock news or read you in the paper. They they can see, you know, they can see you at all times of the day. You're also meeting people where they are. You're not um, you're not reliant on them reading the paper or um, or watching the news. You can basically be in their feed and be in their kind of daily conversation the way that they receive news through friends and family and through news outlets, but also from from leaders. And I think then again, the, I think probably the, the, that big advantage around showing a different emotional side, showing a different side of your personality, being authentic. Um, you know, you don't need to invite the media into your home anymore uh, to do, you know, sort of those more softer personal pieces. You can post a photo of your kids having dinner. And then I think finally that another big advantage is those conversations that you mentioned. So being able to have a two-way communication with the public. So it's a direct feedback. They're going to tell you if they like what you're doing or not. And if you're listening, you can adapt. Um, you can say, okay, this is not popular. Why do we think people are, are responding to this? You know, we think this is a great policy, but it's not landing right. How can we change it so that people take from it what we hope they will? Feedback is a gift, right? That, that's what people have always said. It's just about the attitude you have towards it. Um, I, I really like what you're saying there. And what I'm picking up is this sense of nuance, nuance about social media as this suite of channels that people perhaps don't feel as intuitively comfortable with. But, the, but that example about you know media essentially holding the throttle, they themselves being the ones who control what goes out and what doesn't. They're only going to come to the press conference. They're only going to be there once. And then after that, it's on you. I think if, is it fair to say if people understood, if leaders and, and their advisors understood how these channels differ, and as you've described it really nicely, what social media and what having a digital presence will enable is that greater authenticity, that ability to build warmth and connection with audiences that you, you simply just can't get through a press conference when you are discussing key policy issues. Yeah, I think so. I think as well, um, probably the way that we we communicate is changing. And I think you do see that in the way that leaders speak, that people, I think, I, I, hoped, I hope that people are sort of seeing that you can speak in perhaps a less formal way. You can kind of meet people where they are. You can explain things in, in sort of everyday language. And that's actually how people better understand the work of government. I think for, you know, governments are often seen as these sort of opaque places where things happen that don't have an impact on our everyday lives. But, you know, the opposite is true. Everything is political. Everything is government. You know, there, there's a huge role for government in improving the quality of people's lives. And I think part of that is, is building that relationship with people so they see the value of government. So that, that's a really interesting point, though, Eloise, because I, I think I want to dive deeper into that idea of, um, you know, the personal aspect. And I'm wondering, going back to our topic, we're talking about risk and reward here. 
is there actually an inherent risk for leaders who understand that social media is a more intimate medium? It does provide that opportunity to reveal a more personal aspect of those leaders. And perhaps they're at risk of abusing that. And, and how do leaders toe the fine line between what is an authentic um, expression of their personal lives and something that allows human connection and going a bit too far and it coming across contrived? Well, I think that's kind of where it comes over to the public and the way that they're receiving that message. Um, so I think that the public have a very strong idea of what's authentic and what's not. And if you are an authentic leader and you're um, you're doing things because you kind of you want to give people an insight into your life in a way that's going to build a connection with them, then I think that that that's what people take out of it. I think people can really smell, you know, a, a fake fake leader a mile off and I think those people get found out but I think that probably those sorts of leaders who aren't authentic are probably not being authentic in other parts of their of their life and their leadership so I don't think it's a problem that's um that's um, confined to the world of social media I I feel like um this is probably a separate topic but one of the things that I very much believe in is there's this perception that you can present a fake front online and something that you couldn't do in your own private lives. And I actually see it completely opposite. I I see that digital is actually a very handy accountability measure because it's so easy to see what someone said and did over many, many years um, to see every, what we talk about in terms of digital footprints, every one of those little micro moments uh, and to paint a picture of someone. It's very easy to craft a statement that goes out once, sure, but if you look back at the, the legacy that someone's left behind, you can balance those statements and say, well, does this come across as authentic as you're saying? So, no, I, I, I'm, I'm in your camp here. I feel like digital actually holds people to account and it encourages better leadership behaviours. I think that's right. I think as well the other thing to say probably is that you can't maintain a fake persona over a long period of time. You can maybe do it once or twice and you can put out a lovely photo of your of your family or your dog or whatever um, being like, here's my authentic life. But like you say, if people are looking at the whole picture and they're building a, a perception of a leader based on a lot of different angles. And yeah, you, you really can't, um, you really can't fake that over time. That's yeah, that's really good guidance, really good counsel. So one of the things that we chatted about a little while ago, we we did the um, the digital government leadership report, as you know, um, in partnership with Brandwatch, where we looked at what Premier Daniel Andrews had done uh, over the period of I think it was you know just pre COVID and and through COVID, and. I think it's worth highlighting some of those numbers because it really talks to uh, what we're discussing today in terms of the different fortunes of individual leaders and and what they stand to gain versus institutions as well. And I think, as you're saying, leaders are starting to recognise the opportunity of being more personal, more authentic, and these are things, these are attributes that an institution can never access because by their nature they are an entity. So what we we did, just for context of listeners, we actually analysed around uh, three million odd posts um, using Brandwatch, essentially two from and about uh, Premier Andrews and the Victorian government uh, between Jan 2019 and June 2021. And so that whole kind of COVID lockdown period. And there were some really clear insights. I just want to highlight a couple of them. The first one was that for Daniel Andrews personally, negative sentiment went from 40% of all comments in 2019 to 36% in 2020 during the lockdown uh, and po- positive sentiment actually went from 12% up to 20% over that same period. So essentially negativity went down during lockdown and positivity went up. Now, that's in direct contrast to the Victorian government profiles where negativity actually increased by 17% and positivity shrank 
by 4%. So what we took away from that in terms of the insight is that effective digital leadership is a magnet for positivity. Uh, The second thing was around people being far more likely to rage at institutions than individuals and looking at the data from an emotion point of view, expressions of joy towards the Victorian government reduced starkly by 35% during that analysis period, while negative emotions like anger, sadness and disgust, they all increased by around three or four times. And on the flip side, Premier Andrew's personal profile saw an 8% increase in expressions of joy. Again, during the heat of lockdown, these, these numbers really surprised us. But the last one, and I do want to get your reflections on this, Eloise, is, and for me, the most compelling one, leaders with a known, established digital reputation are an invaluable crisis asset. And, and what we found through the analysing those posts was that posts that actually tagged Premier Andrews, they were 8% more positive and 3% less negative than those who just mentioned him as a passing reference. And, and what that says to me is because there was a known and established identity, because he he didn't build his fort in the battle, as we like to say, this was work that had been going on for much longer. And I know I appreciate you have a lot more insight into that than I do, but this, this wasn't unusual for him. He'd built that strong digital reputation before COVID hit. So he actually came out on top during the pandemic where I know a lot of other people suffered. And it's quite remarkable. Is there anything in that 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 you call out? Is there anything that you'd say you're not surprised or, or learnings for other leaders from that? I mean, I'm not surprised, I suppose, partly, um, and I think it, it does, it ties in with the digital element, but it also ties into Dan's leadership. And I think when we're talking about, you know, the online space versus kind of, in, you know, real life um, expressions of leadership. I don't think we should divorce them because I actually think that your online, I mean, your online presence is an extension of yourself. And during the pandemic, what people were seeing from him, without they were seeing a person who was willing to stand up every day for a hundred and however many days, didn't take a break, was with the Victorian people every step of the way, was like, I am not leaving this job. You know, this is, I'm here for you. And that was reflected through everything that we did online as well. So we saw our role as being to reassure, to inform, and to really, really to keep reinforcing that message that we were in, we were all in it together. So yeah, it, it doesn't really surprise me. So given the timing of, of when we're having this conversation, there has been a change of leadership in South Australia. And I'm just wondering, I appreciate you can't share too much on the inner workings, obviously, but I'm interested to know, you know, what what learnings or what observations would you have from um, your work uh, closely there with um, with Premier Malinowskis now? Um, you could, perhaps you could explain to listeners, what is he doing well or what has he done well and how does he harness his own digital reputation? I think he is... You know, he again is an excellent leader. He's very authentic. He really believes in his mission, which is, you know, a better future for South Australians. Like, you know, it's not just a line. He lives that every single day. That's why he's there. That's why he wants the job. And I think what we were getting out of all the research that we were doing and also all the anecdotal evidence was when people saw him, when people see him, they like him. But it was just coming from a base of, you know, obviously being an opposition leader, you don't have. Um, as much media coverage. Um, he also started off a lower base in terms of his his owned audience because obviously, you know, Premier Marshall had been in front of the media and online every single day during the pandemic. So we understood that we needed to really build it. And that's part of where the kind of the meet, meet Mally 
campaign came came from to again show that authentic side of him and so his campaign launch ad was you know it starts off I'm a husband a father of three a weekend gardener pretty average footy player and leader of the South Australian Labor Party as you can tell that uh, line is imprinted in my brain but that was really about showing different sides of him and helping him to connect with the community and then he goes on to then outline his plan Um, so this is not just vote for me because I'm not the other guy this is vote for me because I have a genuine you know, a genuine vision for the state. Um, so that was sort of the starting point. And I think, but I think he is very natural. Um, he's, he's, he's happy to just jump on Facebook Live. Like sometimes he would just, he would just jump on first thing in the morning. He'd go, he goes for a run. Um, he's very fit and he would go running most mornings and sometimes he'd just bump into someone and, and do a Facebook Live on the street. Like he's very happy to do that. So I guess that, that, is, that is sort of an advantage when you're starting from that point of being open to, all opportunities. But I think there's a moment that sort of stands out for me in the campaign where it was a real kind of flash in the pan um, thing that happened that, you know, you couldn't have really anticipated. He was in a, in a debate style um, interview with, with Stephen Marshall and it was right at the end, it was about an hour and a half long, covered by uh, Channel 7. And they're asked about, divest, um, about divesting state Invest state investments in Russian assets and Marshall says it's too difficult, can't happen. And Peter just sort of jumped in and said, I'll answer that question. And he said, if I become the Premier tomorrow, I will, uh, next week, I will walk into the Parliament and pass legislation to change this like that. It was this very decisive display of leadership, again, because he believes it, because he will do it. You know, he's not saying that to get elected. He's saying that because he thinks that's the right thing to do. And people immediately, we were like, okay, how can we use this? So we chopped it up and we put it across all platforms and for some people this was sort of the first time that they'd seen that from him because again you know you can't um you can't as we're talking about before you can't construct these moments they happen because it's someone being authentic in the moment um but we were like okay we need we want people to see this because it really does show that side of him so we put it out across all platforms and yeah we got a really i think it was our most viewed video of the campaign and that, I think, shows the power of, take, you know, that, that video would never have been seen by most people because most people are not tuning in to, you know, Seven News Adelaide at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday. Like, they're just not. So we were able to use um, social media to really amplify that and so that people could see this. They saw what he would hear. Um, Melly actually calls it active leadership. This is active leadership in action. This is someone willing to step up and do the right thing for the community. Uh, I think that was really powerful. Um, the other thing that we did was we recognised that he, his existing audience was skewed demographically quite towards the older crowd. So his biggest audience on Facebook was, you know, the majority of people were, were, quite, were in the older bracket. So we really had no way organically of reaching younger people and also people who are not engaged in politics. When you're, when you're the opposition leader, most people that follow you are probably going to be leaning your way anyway. Um, they're not there just to get updates. They're, they're there because they support you. So we needed to really branch out on that. So we launched them on TikTok. Again, we thought that it would it's kind of in keeping with him um, as a person. You know, he's quite he's young. He's quite fit. He does things outside of work. We thought, oh, we can, you know, make this quite personal. But, yeah, and we, we saw great results with that because, again, we were able to reach younger people um, who had no interest in politics. We did some things with these um, young guys who kick footies over things. They approached us and so Mally went and kicked a footy over a grandstand and then people would message and be like, oh, I saw you kicking footies, you know, with these marmalade guys. And, you know, that was an opportunity that we said yes to 
um, again, it had risks, you know, it, it may not have come off. It may have, people may not have liked it, but, you know, we did it and yeah, he, he, it reached people that had no interest in politics um, and put, put him in front of a new audience. So Eloise, this is, to be fair, sounding very utopian. It sounds like, you know, you've cracked that nut, which is uh, everyone wants to be digital first and particularly to have that visibility at the leadership level. So how did that happen? How did that come about? And I suppose, what does it look like when you do reach what many people in your shoes might consider to be social media or digital nirvana? Well, I think, for example, in um, in Daniel Andrews' office, from it's from an early um, from an early iteration of of that office, as in when they first came to government, or even in opposition. So twenty, we're talking 2013, 2014, There was an understanding that this is something that we need to be involved in. Um, and so it, it has been integrated at a very, very um, early stage. And the leadership in the office, um, including, including Daniel, are incredibly on board with it. Um, I know that that's not the same, that, you know, that isn't the same in every office, but in every, in every organisation. But I think that recognising recognizing the power of social is, is the starting point. And then the second, the second step is to elevate it to a strategic level within the organisation so that, you know, far too often we see that digital is an afterthought. So we put all our effort, everyone puts all their effort into, into your media strategy, um, into the media release, into the press event, and then thinks as an afterthought, oh, we better, we better post something on Facebook. And then also seeing that a Facebook post is the beginning, middle and end of the process when, you know, it couldn't be further from the truth. So I think, yeah, the starting point is to set, is to really, really elevate it and to and to make it a strategic part of your overall comm strategy because then you're you're bringing you're bringing social in early you're bringing it into at every decision when you're thinking about the narrative you know you're able to shape that because sometimes the narrative that you might want to tell online is different from your media strategy what the media might focus on and this is something that again we did as part of the process in Dan's office is um, as part of as part of as part of planning out what the government's going to be talking about you know the, the social team has a chance to say oh within this broader policy or this broader story we think that this element is going to go best online this is what people are going to be interested in and even carving some of it out and dropping it out online first so really truly being digital first and I would really really encourage government organisations and leaders to, to really take that step because I think that's that's a real game changer in terms of how you approach it. Because if it's if you're thinking about it first, then it's going to flow through and you're going to be more effective. So you talked before about um, that instance where Premier Malinowskis was, uh, you know, out for a run and runs into someone and, and suddenly shoots a Facebook live on the street. Now I'm guessing you're not there. I, I'm guessing you're not jogging with him. So how do you how do you get leaders both comfortable? It's almost like that's an intuitive response. How do you get them comfortable to to uh, feel able and confident to do that? Which I imagine is a yeah, it's a balance of comfort and confidence, but also capability to know what to do and when's the right time to do it, and even you know to press the right button. How did you get that right? I think he's. Uh- He's perhaps not the best example just because he is so natural at it. I mean, he's 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 I'd say he's on par with Jacinda Ardern in terms of how comfortable he is on Facebook Live. And and that is, I think, not the default for a lot of leaders. It, it is daunting. It can be daunting. It can be daunting, I think, to like you say, know, you know, when when the time is right. But I do think there is a little bit of, I have perceived a little bit of a barrier with people. Where I would argue, if I was if I was to try and get someone comfortable with it, I would argue to say, you do you do live crosses. You know, you've done a live cross, so don't worry about 
what you're saying. I think I think we all feel a little stage fright when we when we need to record something. It's not the easiest thing to do, but I think um, I think practice um, to do it in a lower risk environment at, to start with. So to get someone comfortable doing it, um, you know, not not as Peter does, where he's literally pulling his shorts, pulling his phone out of his shorts, and you know, halfway down the run, like that. That's you know, that's that's one end of the spectrum, but you, you perhaps do it in a more controlled environment where there is someone sort of there on hand to make someone feel comfortable and you work up to, you know, the, the Jacinda's who literally just will do it on the bus or, you know, she does it at home. Like, but I mean, that, that's the power of that, of that particular method of communication is, is that, that sense that the person is there, right there with you. Um, so I think if people can also see the power of that, they can see um, how people are responding to that leader. Again, going back to Jacinda Ardern, you know, people, she would, she's done Facebook Lives while her baby's asleep next to her. You know, she does them at home with, you know, baby food on her jumper. Like that is that very, very relatable sort of messaging where people can really see that she is just like them. Um, in so many ways, um, and it does build trust with with the community. So I think if people can see that other leaders are doing that, um, and and the positive responses that they're getting, then there can be more of a more of a willingness, perhaps, to to go down that route. Yeah, and, and that access and authenticity that you talk about when you feel comfortable, when you when it is an intuitive response, it, it reinforces that in spades. I, I'm wondering also, was there an element of if you're aware of what the community thinks and if at any time an opportunity like going for a jog and pulling out the phone for a Facebook Live, if you're aware of what the community is thinking at any time, that's another barrier that you can also break down because not only do I now have the technical capability and know when to do it, I also have an understanding of what the mood is, what the attitudes are of those people that I'm trying to communicate with. And that practice of listening to inform response is just so important. Is that, again, was that an example of what happened through the campaign? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And again, I think it goes back to that point of your online world being an extension of the real world. Because if you're not confident, as another example, um, Mally and the deputy leader, Susan Close, went out, just went out for a walk one evening through the Fringe Festival in Adelaide. Obviously, in Adelaide, you know, it's, it goes off in March and the election's at the end of March. Um, it was, a, I think it was a weekend afternoon and they just decided that they were going to walk through the crowd and just meet people, say hi to people, walk up to people, shake their hand, have a chat. No security, no minders, nobody, just the two of them. And then they went to WOMAD together, um, you know, and it was just incredible because they were they obviously could sense that people you know people wanted to talk people were happy to happy to hear from them they they didn't get a bad response um and because we were, we had the sense that yeah people were interested in in what the campaign had to say um and were interested in the policies that the labor party were putting forward so there was a sense of confidence there that that they that they were going to get a nice reception um and so you would have felt confident then also doing whatever in that space. Um, we ended up actually making a little video based on, I should say there was one person there just taking a few photos of them and we ended up making a little video of their journey through um, the fringe and all of the interactions that they had. And But again, that was reflective of the true experience that they had in real life. So nothing was constructed or or contrived. It was, um, it was, it was as it was on the ground. That's really nice. Uh, Eloise, this, is, this conversation has been so full of... Uh, both really in-depth insights. I appreciate you sharing that, but also very practical advice. And look, the thing that I'm taking away from this, I'll go back to the very first comment you made. 
all communications has risk. And I think that's such a nice framing. If we don't treat social media as anything different, if we don't treat our digital activities as anything different, but instead we try to build confidence and comfort with them, you know, what I'm hearing you say is that the nuance of social media is the access, it's the authenticity, and I think particularly the consistency, the opportunity it provides you there for consistency to show your real self and drive connection. That's an opportunity for any and every government leader, I would argue. And you've meant, meant referenced some great examples today. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. The only question I have for you, if people have got questions or, or encouragements, what's the best way to contact you? They can message me on LinkedIn or email me at eloise at lovereactsonly.com.au. Wonderful. Eloise, thank you so much for sharing your insights on your digital reputation. No worries at all. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks again for listening. If you've learned something from today's conversation, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with others. For all show notes, head to propelgroup.com.au. Thanks again for listening.